This is a Radio.com original. The 19th century Plymouth has the story of this daddy had the car, daddy kept the car perfect from brand new. In 1967, when the car was over, daddy dropped dead. So the son said, I will preserve this car. I will wall it in, in my garage. So for 27 years, this car was entombed in a garage somewhere in rural New York. to a new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast on Zoom, where it's about everybody has a car story and a chance for you to step away from what's going on on the outside world, kind of just get away, go to a little vacation of the mind. I'm Randy Cardoon, along with Hot Rod Bob Beck. Our guest today, you know him, he's a car guy, he's an author, even a chef. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the guy has a lot of background. He just tilted his head when I said chef, like, Jeff, I'm a chef. I love that I I love that people call me a chef. <laughs> um, I think you have to be really professionally trained to be called a chef. So I am a total hack in the kitchen, but I do like to make up recipes. So yeah. Good to know. All right. Well, that's absolutely true. And that's Charles Phoenix is joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! Charles, thank you. This is a guy who is into Americana. He is into the 50s and 60s. Now, people who know my daughter knows that's all she's into, 50s, 60s. She dresses up in 50s and 60s clothes when she goes out. And she's a big fan of yours. She Obviously, the fact that you follow that era is certainly something that a lot of people really like. Take us back to the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about when you first realized cars of that era were really cool. Well, I was born in 1962. So I think the real reality is seriously not joking around. I, I, also, I also talked young. I talked before I even left the hospital and the first words out of my mouth were, what kind of car do we have? That was when I was like, you know, <laughs> about to be picked up out front of uh -huh. the hospital right here in Southern California. And so my mother's like, you know, holding me, I'm like, what, 24 hours old or whatever. And she says, you'll just have to wait and see what your dad drives up in. Yeah. <laughs> and so he drove up in a 55 Bel Air two-door hardtop. I'm like maybe 30 hours old-ish. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I get it. I love it. And then on the way home, I said, what do you do for a living, dad? And he said, I'm a used car dealer. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get along great. This is perfect. <laughs> So basically, I grew up on a used car lot in Ontario, California, and it was my life was nothing but a car show. I mean, th that was that was such a big thing to me. Every night, my dad would drive home a different car, and it was cars, cars, cars. We were going to repossess a car, or you know, I mean, it was just cars. So I mean, I like other stuff too, but my influence of being so interested in the mid-century era comes from a place of the cars are the core, and then just the style guide that goes with that era to me is just so colorful and interesting, and really at the end of the day, two other things, quality, quality, quality. I mean, everything was built with such quality. You know, I don't, I'm not, I don't wanna get crazy here, but made in the USA. And third, style, 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 for the middle class. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing. I mean, 
it's, it's just such an interesting era to me of American pop culture to study. So I do, and I've made my, I've made a career out of it. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm into it. Cars, 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 and, and then everything else as well. So architecture, fashion, all of it, all the style and design of it. And uh, anyway, I'm sorry, am I talking too much? No, we've got a lot of time. We've got okay. some time. That works out great. Well, the, the more you're talking, the better it sounds because you're, you're a retro person. Let's put it that way. You like the era when, when everyone talks about and they've made movies about to immortalize. When you think about all the stuff that we've, we've seen from American Graffiti to Happy Days TV show, they're concentrating on the era that you are promoting. And I think that's Yeah, great. it's true. I mean, Mad Men was one, and uh, the last show that really, I mean, there are others, but The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel yes. or whatever that was on, I forgot what network already. But yeah, I mean, it's such a visual feast, and, uh, you know, everything's so highly stylized. I mean, you know, cars with big, you know, rocket ship tail fins. I mean, it's like the cars had babies with rocket ships. <laughs> I mean, optimism was a commodity. Yeah. It was a saleable commodity. And the manufacturers, you know, glommed onto it like nobody's ever glommed onto anything before. And everything was brightly colored and, you know, had the flair of, of you know, optimistic styling. So I respond to that. I love it. And I think that... There's so much of it that I can't possibly run out of, um, you know, things to show and tell. So I got into collecting other people's old slides uh, in 1992. I found a collection by accident at a thrift shop, old Kodachrome slides. Remember slideshows? Remember oh, yeah. Kodachrome slides? Oh, yeah. So that really changed my life. After that, I, became, I, I started doing shows and showing off other people's old slides and, and you know, just kind of riffing on the style and design of the era and, and people really responded and I've been doing it ever since. Before that, I bought and sold classic cars. And before that, I started my adult life or whatever as a fashion designer of all things. And everything that I designed in the 80s was like, you know, totally retro. So retro never goes out. I mean, it's timeless classic style and it's fun, it's festive and, you know, people enjoy it. So. There's that, and then, you know, I've always collected cars as well. I mean, you know, I can't live my life without having a classic car, two or three or four or you more, go. you know, at my fingertips. So, so what do you have now? Well, I just got a 19, I don't know, let me pull this down. Oh, there we are, oh, a beautiful. 1958 DeSoto. Really? There, there, is this the one? Yeah, that's the one. It's, it's a, that's, of course, I'm, we're looking at the brochure. It's the, uh, DeSoto Fireflight, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a two-door hardtop just like this. And uh, anyway, it has 30,000 original miles. It's turquoise metallic. It belonged to a little old lady in, um, in um, uh, Illinois. And believe it or not, it's not rusty. That's good, that's the first thing. So um, yeah, I've had hundreds of classic cars. And just the other day, I got an issue of collectible automobile since the magazine. What? I've had John Beale, the editor, on the show. Great. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, this, it's still around. I can't believe it. So in, I, I open it up, and I see a picture of a car. Well, I, wait, where'd it go? 
that I owned like 25 years ago and they still are, are saying that I'm the owner, which I'm not, but you got to see this car. It's a 1957 DeSoto station wagon. Now this car was 40,000 original miles. I like low mileage originals. I'm kind of a purist. Um, anyway, this car had 40,000 original miles on it. And you know, I only, in those days I bought and sold a lot more, you know, they came and went a lot faster than they ever would now. But the big question is where is this car now? Where is this car now? That reminds me, do I have the picture here? No, I guess I don't. Anyway, the one car that I wish I never would have got, yes, I do, right, right here. This Beautiful. is a 1959 Dodge convertible. I bought it from the original owner. It's pink and turquoise. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right. You see. Like the Dodge La Femme didn't go away. Right, this is the Dodge La Femme of 59. Um, exactly. So uh, anyway, I bought it from the original owner in 1985. I found it in the parking lot of Sears in Pomona. And don't you love when you find anything in the parking lot of a Sears? Yeah. So sure. Anyway, it happened to be this 1959 Dodge. And um, long story short, I wound up with a car. And then six years later, like an idiot, I sold it to a Texas oil millionaire. So anyway, but the car has not seen the light of day since. And the reason I know that is because I recently posted on my Facebook page this picture and well, I was, it was like that picture, one with me in it. And I said, this was my car back in the 80s and early 90s. Where is it now? And this guy contacted me and he said, you know, when you own that car, I contacted you and I got the VIN off of that car because he said, I've been keeping, keeping a register of all 59 Dodge convertibles, yeah. you know, all the VINs of them and tracking them for like 30 years. So he said, your car has never resurfaced all these years later because I want to know where it is now. So. You know, it's kind of like sometimes these cars come back in your life. I found a, this one of these cars, a two-door hardtop, a 59 Dodge Custom Oil Lancer. That's the top of the line. I bought it in Kansas City with 14,000 original miles on it. This was in 1995. It just has now come up for sale. The guy that I sold it to in 1995 has put zero miles on it. It still has 14,000 miles on it, and it's coming up for auction uh, in July. So... If things hadn't all like done the oogie boogie on us, I would so be in line to buy that car right now. But as it were, now is not necessarily the best time for me to be invested. Bob is going to now show us his cars. Go ahead, Bob. I already got mine up there, or some of them anyway. But where do you think that car is going to end up as far as value? Because Randy and I went to Barrett Jackson one year and watched the parade of cars, and some of the most unusual cars. And I say unusual in that, why would someone bring that to an auction actually sold for greater than the cars that actually were popular? Right. You know, um, it's hard for me to know. I mean, you know, with the car market right now, it seems to me, I mean, just in general, and especially with auctions, I mean, values, I mean, you just don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I was just at Barrett-Jackson and a couple of the other ones that are around Barrett-Jackson. And, you know, some of these thinned cars, you know, I mean, they were bringing like insane amounts of money. And, um, but you know, they should be worth that. They're super rare. They're super amazing. And, you know, I mean, I guess that you probably pretty much know by now, these vintage Chrysler products drive amazing because they have torsion bar suspension. Yeah. So um, they're great driving cars too. I mean, I'm not just into Mopars, even though I've just shown you three. 
I like them all, but I still have a few cars up my sleeve, as I say. That are what out do you there. Have? Where do you find them? I mean, well, you know, I have a, a I have a, a series on uh, Facebook that I do called Joyride, and uh, I profile these classic cars. I, you know, I find them anywhere and everywhere, parked on the street, rare, but occasionally. You know, and, uh, you know, once in a while I go to a car show. I mean, I know people who, you know, I mean, I've been into cars forever. So, you know, I kind of just, you kind of, you know, know how to ferret them out here and there. But, you know, they're not around everywhere. The weird thing is, is traveling around the United States. I mean, these cars are all over. Last year, I mean, obviously, hello, duh. But, um, you know, you never know where you're going to find these cars. I mean, it's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it at this point. Last year, or was it two years ago? I guess two years ago, I went to Sweden to what they call the power meet there. And my friends are like, you got to go. You're going to love all the cars over there. They have all the Finn cars from the 50s and stuff. Well, I went over there and it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, they had, they have them all. They have them. So, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, I'm like, I can't believe our cars are leaving this country and blah, blah, blah. Well, I got over that really fast when I saw the care that they give these cars and the amount of quality restoration and, and maintenance that they give these cars. I got over it in about one second. Yeah. So, you know, and the thing is, it's like, okay, well, Americans had the same opportunity to buy these same cars. So it's like, you know, you can't cry over, you know, you should have bought it then if you don't want to see it go. Okay. But, you know, they're everywhere. They're all over the world. So you kind of keep track of these and, and over the years, you just kind of see whether they've been sold somewhere or, cause I'm all, well, I'm, I mean, you, you mean the old cars that I've owned? Yeah. Um, you know, no, I mean, rarely are you able to keep track of where they all go. I mean, once in a while they kind of come back, you know, they, you, they come back into your life some way or another, but no, I'm always just on the lookout for cars. In fact, there's some cars that, well, I'll show you this one right here. This is a car that I saw, this is a 1957 Oldsmobile 98. Right. And I saw it, I saw it at a uh, car show about 25 years ago. And so, and then this old calendar from 1991, and I kept the calendar and I was looking at that calendar. And I'm like, where is that car now? I'll find it. So I started asking everybody in the Oldsmobile club. I'm not even a member or anything. I just asked the first person I asked, they said, I know exactly where it is. It was, it was, uh -oh. I just, it just fell on the ground. Who cares? I, he said the same guy who owned it then owns it now. So I called the guy up and uh, I said, can I come over and make a joyride video of your car? He's like, well, uh, how, how about I meet you at the Oldsmobile club? So I get to the Oldsmobile club and, and he's not the, cl the club meet and he's not there. So I'm like, oh no, I wonder what happened. You know, this isn't good. He said he was going to be here and blah, blah, blah. So then another Oldsmobile pulls up, like a 1953 convertible. So I go talk to that car, to the owner. The guy says, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to drive this car again. And I'm like, why? He said, well, I had a stroke about two weeks ago, and it's just too much for me now. Mm. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, awesome car. So then finally comes the 57 Oldsmobile 98 in shocking pink metallic original paint. And um, I like him original. I'm an original guy, um, survivor class. Um, anyway, and, and the guy in the pink Oldsmobile 98 shows up and says, I don't think I'm gonna be able to drive this car again. I'm like, why? And he says, well, I had a stroke three weeks ago. It's like, ah! Oh, so man. I'm just like, oh my God, please, please, old men, don't. Oh. But anyway, you know, whatever. They're awesome, I love them. I love old people. I love cars, you know, we love it all. 
Did so you buy the car? what? Did you buy the car? The old no, I didn't. He said, so here's here's the way I buy cars from these people. Seriously, not joking around. There is a process. Two things. Number one, if you see a car in a driveway, that's fine. I mean, these days there aren't cars in driveways anymore. 20, 25 years ago, there were still cars in driveways. So the way you do a cold call is easy. You knock on the door, ring the doorbell. You take 12 steps back from the door. You have to, because at 12 steps back, you are not a threat, a physical threat. They will open the door. At least 25 years ago, people still open the door. Yeah. So they open the door and you say, I, I can't help but notice the beautiful, you know, and then you name the car so they know you know what you're talking about in the driveway. And I just wanted to let you know when and if the car ever becomes available. Never say is the car for sale, because the answer is always no. So you never want them to write a no across your face. You want, you want to say, when and if the car ever becomes available, I'd like to be the first person that you call. So you hand them the phone number, and then basically you pester them, and it's, it, you never are, you're, you're going to get it. It's just a matter of time. That's so, the way it goes. What, once it, a week? What? Once a week, once a month? No, 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 not once a week. That's too much. Once every month or two or three or four or whatever. I mean, you kind of get the vibe. And, you know, I've done that so many times. I've done that so many times. But in the case of this car, and then there was another car that I ran across um, as well. And the answer on the pink 57 Oldsmobile 98 was, yeah, you can buy the car when I'm dead. Ooh. That's exactly what he said. But he can't drive it anymore. I know. I mean, it's like we all have our time on this planet. I guess we know that. So and the cars, the cars outlive us. So we're now starting to search the death notices in local newspapers to see. Yeah. Well, no, because so few people have classic cars. That would not be a good idea. But the other thing I'll tell you another. You want to hear another funny story? Sure. So I was out, uh, a friend of mine. We were out on Route 66, and uh, a friend of mine was visiting from Kansas City, Missouri, and he said, um, he said, I wanna go see Route 66. So we drove out, and we found this old place, and an old Route 66 place, and I knocked on the door, and uh, I didn't realize they were out of business, the door was locked, and this, I turned around and walked back to the car, and as soon as I got to my car, put my hand on my door handle, and I heard, hey, what are you doing? And I turned around, and the guy said, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you guys were out of business. I didn't realize you were closed. He goes, come on in, I'll show you the place. Mother built it in 36. So I'm like, anytime anybody says mother built this place in 1936, <laughs> I'm in. So anyway, so what happened was, is that he toured me around their little place and everything. It was a restaurant. And then um, I, I, when I turned around to leave, um, there were five doors where I came in one door. And I'm like, which door out? And he goes, that one. So I walked out and it was into the backyard of their house. No, I, I, and that, so I turned around, I said, no, I meant out to the parking lot where I parked. He goes, you like old cars? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. I wanna show you my Chrysler. Bought it brand new. And I'm like, okay, hmm. So he gets the key to his old garage and this old lock and he starts going like, with the key and he's like, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I can't do this car, I can't do this lock. And so I'm like, no, 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 you've got to open it, please. So I said, let it be a 1957 Chrysler, because that was the one with the big, big fence. 
And so finally he opens the garage door and there it was, a 1957 Chrysler, just like I hoped. Anyway, he also said to me, yeah, you can buy this car when I'm dead. <laughs> so that's the only two times I've heard the when I'm dead. What is the latest acquisition? The latest acquisition is the 58 DeSoto. Yeah. That, that one is the latest. So. Did you have to go through this process to get it? No, that one, that one was the least interesting process I've ever gone through. It was on eBay, which, you know, there's no romance in buying a car on eBay, but I saw it there. And I just, you know, I mean, I've been around the merry-go-round of the old cars for so long. I knew this was a super rare car in the right colors, in the, in very good condition, 30,000 original miles. I'm like, you know what? I think I need to have that car. I really want to, you know, I really want to drive that car. So, you know, it's, it's tough. There's so many cars you want to own. You just kind of go crazy. I love the DeSotos though, with the single headlight in 1957, because so few states allowed um, the two headlight setup in 57, California being one of them. Yes, I believe DeSoto and Chrysler went to a dual setup mid-year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the, it is really rare to find the single headlight 57 uh, Chrysler and DeSoto and Imperial, the luxury liner, the Imperial. You did a joyride uh, about a 1960 Plymouth four-door. That is my car also. Oh, it is. I don't say this is my car in the video or whatever. I mean, it's not, to me, it's not, not really important. But, the, uh, but, yes. but the story behind it, I thought, was pretty fascinating about somebody who decided to put it away for a while and how they did that. Could you relate that? Yeah. Um, so, by the way, I wish I had a picture of it right here. I don't. But 1960 Plymouth, that is the most flamboyant Plymouth ever made. 1960, look it up, look it up. 1960 Plymouth Fury, the most over-trimmed, overdone, over-everything Plymouth ever of all time. And it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, it's like, again, like a car in a rocket ship had a baby. It has massive tail fins. I mean, they come up out of nowhere all of a sudden on the back end and just hilarious. I mean, that's the thing. These cars to me, they have like a, they're like comic strip styling, you know? I mean, they have a cartoon quality to them, which to me represents happiness and joy. So that's kind of what I get from them is that optimism just comes through like, boom. But anyway, okay, so here's what happened. That car, 1960 Plymouth Fury, four-door hardtop, and no, I'm not a four-door snob. Um, some people are, but I'm definitely not. Um, you know, I, I said, somebody said, um, why are you showing so many, so many four-door cars on your Joyride series? I said, I'm not showing doors, I'm showing beautiful cars. Wow. So anyway, but that, yes, the 1960 Plymouth has the story of this daddy had the car daddy kept the car perfect from brand new in 1967 when the car was over daddy dropped dead so the son said i will preserve this car i will wall it in in my garage so for 27 years this car was entombed in a garage somewhere in rural new york well it didn't get any light or any moisture so when it came out it was a seven-year-old car that had been perfectly preserved virtually. And it's in beautiful, beautiful original condition. So yeah, again, I'm a purist. I like low mileage originals, factory cars that look as though they just rolled off the showroom floor. That's just me. Um, of course, I have a wandering eye for all kinds of other genres of cars, including my biggest secret of all, which I might as well just finally be able to feel comfortable getting it out in the open right now. Just between okay. 
I even have a wandering eye, always have, for European cars. Like what? Well, you know, a lot of them. A lot of them. You know, all the, great, all the great ones, all the obvious ones, you know, all the ones that we all love. But, but I'm strictly Americana all the way. I was born that way. I'll never waver. I'll never, I'm never going to own a foreign car. I, I mean, I love them. <laughs> I love them and I, I lust after them. But, you know, for me, the comfort zone is a big American car. That's what I fit in. I'm tall. So that's what I fit in. I fit in these cars. Plus, there's this kind of like connection with, you know, past generations and, you know, way for me to pay tribute to the people who made these cars and designed these cars and drove these cars. And there's nothing better than a car with a story that goes along with it. I mean, really. I generally buy stories that have cars. Those are my favorite kind of cars, the ones that have a story. I mean, mm -hmm. some don't have stories. The story's been lost. Where did it come from? Who owned this car? Um, and sometimes you just have a little bit of information. Sometimes you have a lot of information. But I mean, you know, the pride and joys for me were always the cars that I bought from the original owners. Now, that's getting rarer these days if you're going for the late 50s, early 60s cars, which is what I have gone for all these years. But um, yeah, so you wanna, you wanna hear an American car versus foreign car story? Okay, I'll tell you. Sure. Okay, so um, this is about 30 years ago. I was looking at, in those days, it was the Recycler, not Craigslist, mm -hmm. it was the Recycler. It came out every Thursday. So I opened it up and sure enough, 1961 Plymouth, Fury, two-door hardtop, and I mean, this was one of my dream cars. I, I have one now, a really nice one, they're great. It looks like a UFO. It's really some considered to be the ugliest car ever made. So you gotta Google 1961 Plymouth Fury. So, okay, fine. So I go over to the house where they're selling it. The lady died, her name was Wilma White. She was a nurse. The car was white with a red interior, which I thought was perfect for a nurse. So I drive the car home and I live on a hill. And so I parked the car out front of my house, you know, after I drove it around for a couple of hours or whatever, went like, you know, I cannot believe how well balanced this car is on its frame, how well this car drives, how well this car handles, how much zoom and pep it has and all that. And I was madly in love with the car, but finally it was time to go home. So I park it on the hill out in front of my house, my hill's like that. And I walk in the living room and I sit on the couch and the couch is kind of has its back to the big picture window. And I, I'm on the couch like this, just admiring the car. You know how you do. Mm -hmm. Just admire your cars because you love looking at them too, besides driving them. Of course. And um, driving them's the best. But anyway, so right before my very eyes, as I'm watching it, the car doesn't have a park gear, by the way. Don't ask why. I don't know. But they didn't build park gears in those cars. So you only have the parking brake. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the hill like this. All of a sudden, as I'm watching, the car loses its ability to be, to be locked in place. Right. And it rolls down the hill right in front of me. It goes about 40 feet and it turns on its own. It does a 45 degree turn or 90 degree turn and sideswipes my neighbor's Volvo. So I'm like, oh no. So I mean, without even skipping a beat, I don't know what was going on. I'm like, I pushed the screen out of the um, window and I leapt through. I mean, you don't go out a window, you usually use a door. But in this case, I saw fit that it would be appropriate for me to push the screen out and leap through the window. And I'm like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? And the first thing that came to mind was, well, I need to drive the car out of 
it being backed into a Volvo. And I'm like, oh my God, I wrecked my car. I can't believe it. I just got it three hours ago and I totaled it. Oh no. And I'm so completely devastated. So I, I open the door, I put the key in the ignition, starts right up. I drive it up on the hill, like a block away, flat land. I get out of the car to see the damage. Not a scratch. Oh, wow. Not a scratch. My, the, Volvo the Volvo was totaled. The Volvo was totaled. So anyway, I mean, you know, these cars, what are you going to do? What was your first car that you got? You know, my first car, believe it or not, was a, a 1968 Mustang. A 1968 okay. Mustang. Um, and uh, it was that, that car had an interesting story. It's one of only two cars that I ever had that got on fire. You oh, know, with oh, me driving good. it. Don't you hate when your cars catch on fire? Yeah. I, I hate that. So here's what happened. So I was driving at home at the time I lived in, I mean, I, I worked downtown LA. I'm driving at home. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the car stalled and all this white smoke starts billowing out from under the hood like this. And I'm like, oh no, oh no. You know, and I'm just a dumb kid. I, I, by the way, I'm not mechanically inclined either. That is, that's one big like disconnect with the cars. I mean, I can tell you what everything is and what it does, but fixing it and pulling it apart and putting it back together, no, that's not my thing. But anyway, so I like open the hood and the wire, the wiring harness is like completely like on fire and all the smoke. So I'm like, oh no, no, no car. No, you're not gonna burn up in front of me. This is not gonna happen, no, uh-uh. So it was starting to, you know, get pretty good there and smoke everywhere. So I, here's what I did. I didn't think about it, I just did it. I, I, I blew all the wind out of my lungs like, till I was like, you know, hunched over from no air in my lungs. And I went, and I blew up my lungs like this big, like bigger than they've ever been blown up since. And I blew the fire out. Wow. Hey, it works, it works. I mean, come on, you gotta save the car. Oh, totally. I mean, I would have, I would have leapt on it to, to like, you know, make the flames go away if I had to. But yeah, I mean, only one other car caught on fire. It was a 58 Continental, which was the biggest, Google yeah. 58 Continental, the biggest, most outrageous outer space age car ever produced by the Ford Motor Company and virtually by any other car company as well. 58 Continental, look it up. I had one, I, it was a black convertible with a white and black and leather interior. I bought it from a guy in Pasadena who bought it brand new, his name of, of all names. His name was Harry Ball. <laughs> it was. So anyway, so that car also caught on fire, but luckily it was like, you know, it, it was fine. It was fine. Indeed, I have a friend, uh, a gentleman we work with that has a 58 Continental oh, Convertible. No. Really? Continental Convertible. And the stories we've heard from him while well, he's been restoring it, it's restored now, but just the uniqueness of the 58 versus the 59 and 60, although they all look pretty much the same, the mechanicals are completely different. And there were only they were only one year items. But he's he's had nightmares on it. He's been putting that car together. He's broken his foot working on it. It caught fire on him, and he uh, broke his ankle or his or his Achilles or something like that trying to put it out. Um, well, they're very complex cars. I mean, to me, you know, I mean, I'm not a mechanic or whatever, but I've been around these old cars long enough to know. To me, I always tell people, like, they say, I want to get a classic car. What kind should I get? And recently someone said, I want a 65 Thunderbird. And I'm like, okay, well, 65 Thunderbird is an amazing car. It's also one of the most complex cars ever. I mean, vacuum everywhere, 
con to me, the, the, those 60s Continentals and those 60s Thunderbirds are the most complicated cars of all. They're just, they're so complex. Um, so I, you know, unless you really know somebody who really knows everything, don't get one of those, I say. But they're beautiful cars, of course. We love them. Let's get along to your uh, slideshows. And it, I, always met, I always wonder in that situation, why would people unload all those slides like that? Well, you know, you know, people just, you know, I mean, there's no connection left or whatever. Or they're like, I don't have the, the projector bulb burned out. Right. You know, it could be something as dumb as that. People don't realize slides, Kodachrome slides. I have some right here. Kodachrome slides. I mean, the quality. There's mm -hmm. a Kodachrome slide right there. Yeah. The quality of these, the image, I mean, the transparency. It's the most luxurious format virtually in the mass market for anyone ever to have been uh, anything or anyone to have ever been documented on. But it's transparency. I mean, when they're crystal clear, they are crystal clear. So they're fantastic. So anyway, it, again, Kodachrome slides and the mid-century are, you know, together as one. It was the perfect medium for the perfect era. I mean, the Kodachrome captures the color. And, you know, I mean, so I've been collecting other people's old slides since 1992. Yeah, so I'm doing slideshows since 1998. Now, all of a sudden, after 20, how many years? Uh, 22 years, I have none. Um, but no shows coming up, but that's okay. I do have, uh, oh, you know what else I have? I have a show and tell. This is a- Oh, Dodge. Ooh. Yeah, this is a NOS, somebody gave me this, from a 1960 Dodge Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm about to do, tomorrow, I'm gonna do a, uh, a, um, a joyride video. You can find my videos on uh, Facebook, by the way. I'm gonna do a joyride video of the 1960 Dodge Phoenix. But I was gonna say, um, is it time to talk about books? Yes, talk about book. I've got this book, Addicted to Americana. And you know what? I can show you a couple car things in here because there's a whole section about cars. Um, oh, yeah, there's a couple really great stories. By the way, speaking of cars, um, one of the greatest car culture experiences ever. Have you guys been here? No. No. Do you know this place? Where is it? It's in La Puente. Is it? Oh. Yeah, it's called the Donut Hole. It's been there since 1968. It's the greatest drive-through experience in the known universe. There's no more, there's no other drive-through experience that you, you know, do a car cultural thing than this. This is it. You drive through the donut and once you get in the donut, all, the, all your donuts that you want are there and you just point to them as you drive by them. And then when you finally get up to, it's, a long, it's an elongated donut, but um, once you get up to the cash register, you pay for all the donuts you pointed out as you drove by and tried not to run into the inside of the donut. So yeah, that's the donut hole, that's in La Puente. Of course, Randy's Donuts. Yeah, yeah. You yep. can see that, that's by LAX. Right. And that is the greatest commercial uh, retail building of the 20th century. No doubt about it, it was built in 1951. It's a mid-century modern masterpiece of the absolute highest order. Where do we begin? I mean, right, I mean, I know. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, oh, you talked about the Dodge La Femme. This is in my book, Addicted to Americana, yes. and buy it online. There's the Dodge La Femme right there. There it is. There are, that was a rare car marketed to women, yep. and it came with a raincoat, it came with an umbrella, and a purse. So my friend that has this car, well, an acquaintance, there he is right there, um, Brian Cotton, like polyester, Cotton. 
right. Brian Cotton, he, he came to one of my slideshows about 17 years ago, and he said, or longer now, he said, I have a Dodge LaFemme, you would love it, you, you gotta come over and see it, they're super rare. I'm like, what, you have one? I've never seen one before, I totally wanna see it. So 17 years later, I called him up and I said, do you still have it? And he said, yes, and I said, I'll be right over. So anyway, oh, I also covered the Edsel. Oh, oh right. Edsels. I know, Edsels, 1958, introduced by Ford. That's a whole miss, miss. Well, here's, oh, you know, I mean, you know what I mean, Edsels, I mean, we could go on and on, we don't need to. This is a guy, Curly Bunfill. He has a 56 Eldorado Seville that Rita Hayworth, the famous movie star, gave him. And uh, anyway, he's 106 years old and he still has the car. I ran into him when he was 100. And that was in Sacramento in a parking lot. Here is a 1959 Ford on a pole. This was oh. in um, Arizona and Phoenix, a Mullen, Reed Mullen Chevrolet, uh, Reed Mullen Ford. And uh, this was a big um, publicity stunt. And the guy, Lonesome Long John Silver, a DJ, stayed up there for like 248 days or something. You, you so that's a trip. Pole where the guy is in the car. What's that? You can see in the pole, uh, on top of the pole is the car, and there's a guy. And the guy is in there, yeah. A guy in there. He is in the car when this photo is being taken. Can you see him? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. God, I love Zoom. I never have done, I mean, this is like. I love radio stuff. So you guys want to see a little more? Okay, so okay. one of the greatest mid-century designs, I'm sure you'll all agree, is the 58 yes. Belvedere by Plymouth. Beautiful car. Anyway, they buried one brand new in 1957 in Tulsa. To be, only be unearthed 50 years later in 2007. So okay. I went there, and when they unearthed the car, it looked like this. It was so sad. It was so sad. I know. I know. It looked like a piece of chicken that had been battered and deep fried. I mean, it was just so sad. The I, I heard they were talking about Do you guys know the Ast? Wait, do you guys know this car, the Astronome? No. It was a one of a kind. You know those little metropolitan cars that were a yeah. hybrid between Nash and Austin? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is their show car of 1956, and oh. here it is now. It lives in North Hollywood. Oh. At the Metropolitan Pit Stop, uh, which is the world headquarters for all things metropolitan. If you oh. have a metropolitan, that's where you go. So yeah, it's incredible. It has a bubble top and everything. It's pretty shocking. Let's see if you can see the interior right there. Yeah. There's the name oh. badge, Astronome, and there is the rear view of it. It's <laughs> shocking. So, it looks like the um, George. It looks like one of the George Barrett's cars. Oh, totally, totally, totally. It totally looks like a George Barrett's car. Yes. Now, are you guys? Is it enough with the book already? Or are we doing good? No, keep going. This is great. Okay. So here is a Packard. Wait, Packard Predictor. This is a slide from my collection. Packard Predictor is the one-off uh, Packard show car of the future from 1956. So it currently lives at the. Um, the Studebaker Museum, um, and I went there to see it. It's unbelievable. I don't know if you can see the tail light, but wait, yes. where are we here? There's the tail light right there. See that? The Packard predictor. But yeah, again, this is all in my book, Addicted to Americana. And then the 56 Buick Centurion, that was a show car of the future, one of GM's, one of just a handful of them that did not get crushed. Yeah did not get crushed. So it is in Lansing at the Buick, uh, at the Buick, what do you call it, uh, museum. museum? Here is, wait, wait, oh, where is it? Now all of a sudden I lost my ability to do this, there. That is the, uh, the styling chief of General Motors in the 1950s who basically was responsible for all the crazy styling of the 50s, really. 
Harley Earl. This was his personal car. This was a, it's called the LeSaver. Again, it still exists. And uh, I went to Detroit to see it. I don't know how I got in, but I did. There I am with the car. And then guess what, you guys? They let me sit in it. They let me sit in it. I couldn't believe it. It was one of the greatest joys of my entire life. And it kind of was a funny story because I don't know how I quite weaseled my way in the door there at the General Motors Heritage Center, which is in Warren, Michigan, near Detroit. And so I weaseled my way in there. And, you know, it's so like there's kind of a psychology to when somebody invites you into their collection, it's really not the time to talk about your own personal collection. When you're on their turf, it's about their cars. They don't need to know right now about yours. So that's just one of my personal little style guides of how to, how to you know, really get invited into somebody's world is don't start talking about yours when you're in theirs. It's all about that. So I was very attentive to all of these cars that they were showing me at the Heritage Center. And uh, so anyway, finally at the end, we wound up at that car, the... Uh, this, this, uh, from a saber. And so I guess that I was on my best behavior that day because I, when I, when we were all done, I said, thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you. I really appreciate the tour and everything. And then I walked all the way across the other side of the warehouse where all these beautiful cars, General Motors cars are on display. And just before I was about to walk out the door that said exit, they go, Hey, wait a minute, you're not done yet. And I'm like, what? And they go, yeah, you're not done. I'm like, well, oh, and they go, come back, come back. And so I walked all the way back over there and they're like, oh, you didn't sit in your favorite car here. And they open the door and they let me sit in and I'm like, whoa, I was really excited. That was, that was pretty good. Anyway, cars, 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 go on and on and on. Wow. Very cool. Very cool stuff. So uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Again, if people want to get a hold of you and you want to contact Charles Phoenix, Find out about his books, because that's not the only book you have. No, I also have a brand new one called Holiday Jubilee. It's kind of better in the holiday time, but it's it's the pop culture history of all of our holidays. And how much do we all seriously love the holidays? I know. Holiday Jubilee and Addicted to Americana. And you can also, um, 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 oh, watch my videos on Facebook, my Joyride videos. I'm about to make five of them. In the next five days, I'm going to make five more. All right. So, uh, yeah, they're really fun. And, uh, you know, I'm highlighting uh, all of our favorite cars from the space age era. Very good. Charles Phoenix joining us here on the Talking About Cars podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to our audio podcast on radio.com, KNX1070.com. All you have to do is click menu, then on demand, and then Talking About Cars. You can listen to a bunch of them. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter. We're on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe and also become a Two Tired Guys production patron. Right, Bob? Right. Good job, Bob. Okay. (laughs) And don't forget, just go to patreon.com and uh, you can get all sorts of swag from us and all sorts of other abilities to check out a video just for you. In fact, right after we're done with this show, Charles is gonna join us for a brief Patreon video. And just in case you didn't know that, Charles. And uh, until next time, I'm Randy Crudeau, along with Hot Rod Bob. We join us next time as we have fun talking about cars. So long, everybody.